क्या है Get you a list real quick, sister. Do you know 254? 254. 254. Let's see if you know that. Yeah. I didn't get my hair like Good morning. Well, I'll tell you what, I got a different one. I got a different one. Jesus, 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 
Amen. Praise God. It's good to be in church this morning. Amen. I hope y'all all had a had a good last couple of days. You got to spend some time with family and do any celebrating. I hope you have. And if not, I hope you get to. And uh, I, I'm very grateful for all the blessings that come on this time of year, all the getting together and seeing people and, and all the eating and all the good things that go along with it. But I'm glad to get to come to church this morning. Amen. I drove I drove all I drove here this morning. I didn't see a single car in the church parking lot between here and my house. But uh and and if they're home watching this this morning, I'm not trying to shame nobody. But it is his birthday. Well, I mean it's not really technically his birthday, but people are trying to celebrate it today. So I would think we ought to be in the Lord's house today. But I mean I'm glad you're here. I'm not trying to shame nobody, but I'm glad you're here this morning. Amen. And uh, thankful to be able to come together and sing songs and worship him and lift up his name and praise him because he certainly deserves every bit of the attention today. Amen. Uh, anybody got any prayer requests, anything this morning? Yes, Mom. Um, Good gracious. No, it's possible. It's possible though to have non-alcoholic uh, liver disease, but <laughs> well, that wouldn't have done it anyway. <clears throat> anyway, let's lift her up in prayer, please. Others, Miss Charlotte. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else, Mary? Okay, all right, we'll, okay, we'll lift him up in prayer. Anybody else, anything else, prayer requests? The 29th? It's just three, four days, isn't it? Now, what are you doing this time? Huh? Another blockage. All right, brother. We'll be praying that God works us out, and you just get all this straightened out where you feel like a million bucks. Amen, me too. Oh, I'm sure. Right. Let's lift up everybody that's going through that. You know, COVID, a lot of people lost a lot of people and, and just everything else. And that's always a hard time for people when they when there's an empty spot at the table. So let's remember them and lift them up in prayer and ask God to give them comfort today. Anything else? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let us say this morning. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. 
Oh. 
Thank you. 
But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is all and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both ministereth bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Let's look at verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Let's read that out loud together. You ready? Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you this morning. And Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Lord, of all the things that are given today by everybody that's given. Nobody's ever outgiven you. Father, you've given us the greatest gift that could ever be given. Father, we we thank you again today as we do every day for the gift of God through Jesus Christ, through his blood, our salvation. And Lord, I pray this morning you help me to preach, give me words to say. Lord God, I just I just want to honor you this morning. I want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray for your power now on me. And use me for your honor and glory, and Lord, I'll give you all the glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. I think that'll do. All right. I'm ready to preach now. All right. So we're talking about we're talking about giving this morning. God's unspeakable gift. Now, that word unspeakable there, some people might think that's something you don't talk about. But that's not what that word means. It means indescribable. It means there's no way that human words could form uh, to to give accolades to what God has done. There's no way to put words on it and, and put it in a form where we can really totally grasp it in one sentence. But as we've seen, as we're trying to read here in this passage, you know, we just jump into the middle of that of this of this this uh, chapter and what's going on there? The Corinthian church had gathered together a gift to give to the believers back in Judea because they were going through a, tri- a trial of their faith. They were going through lots of persecution. They were they basically had been stripped of all means of income. And you know it, we saw there in Acts and the early part of Acts where they they had all things come and people sold what they had. And, and, and put everything in one pot so everybody could exist. But I'm assuming over time all that kind of dwindled, and now they're relying on churches giving to help that, help them out. And so he's he's referring to that. And I know they probably didn't gather up much money because they probably didn't have much money to give by earthly standards. But in a way, it reflected 
what God did for us by giving us Christ. And what they gave, what I mean by that is what they gave, it wasn't because they felt compelled to do it because, oh, they're going to look at us and say, we, we need help if we didn't give. You know, that's what that's the reason some people give, gifts. But I don't want them to look at me and think something wrong with me. I don't want them to think I hate them. I don't want them to, to think I didn't want to spend any money on them. That's not the reason to give a gift. I know that's the reason some people give gifts, but that's not the real reason to give a gift. And the real reason is out of love. And that and the result this 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 gift that the Corinthians were given was a, was as the result of love in Christ. It was a sacrificial love because again they were struggling themselves. They didn't have much to, to give either. And uh, but another thing about it, it had a value. It was very valuable to those believers in Judea because they, they didn't have anything. And and it would also be a blessing, again, it's a total blessing to them when they got it. So we're looking this morning at the unspeakable gift. And that unspeakable gift, of course, is the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the greatest gift that I have ever received. He was a gift that came from God's unspeakable love, and it involved unspeakable sacrifice. And it also had an unspeakable effect on every one of us that know that love. But I want you to look this morning... <clears throat> That number one, it comes it comes from unspeakable love, this this unspeakable gift. I mean, you think about it. Two thousand years ago, God looked down at this earth. It's in a total mess. He looks down at his people in the nation of Israel. They're controlling the society. The world is a is a mixed up place. Uh, Rome is controlling nearly everything in the world. He sees, he looks down at the Jews, and they're just kind of going through the motions of the religion. It's just, it's really just a form of it. It's not really, it's not really anything close to what Moses laid down. And and you know, and he just saw, he sees people just wandering around life, through life hopelessly without his love because they don't truly understand his love. So how's God going to communicate that love to all these people that are just walking around that don't know their their head from a hole in the ground. Well, if God were to come down in person in all his glory, get everybody to death. Heaven's parted and glory of God came down to you. I mean, you see in the end, what the Bible says in Revelation, when, when the Lord comes back, it's, it's going to blow everybody's mind. Well, if he'd have done that back then, that's what the same thing would have happened. And they would have never felt like they could have come to God if they saw him in all his glory. And they would talk to him, come up to him and talk to him. They'd be kind of like Moses, who when he saw that burning bush, you know. I mean, he, he took off his shoes because he knew he was in a holy place. You know, we don't, we don't belong here. And that's how people would have looked at it if God had just come down in his glory. <clears throat> if he would have spoke from heaven, well, we know what happened then. The people heard it, what did they think? They thought it thundered. They thought it was a noise they heard. You know, they, they, if he had just spoke from heaven, they, they might not grasp what he was trying to say. If he sent down armies of his angels, well, that would have scared everybody to death. They'd all took off running. They wouldn't have to respond to that. So God had an eternal plan, and God sent a baby. That was the last thing anybody was expecting, a baby. They were expecting a king. They weren't expecting a baby. Babies aren't threatened. I've held, I've held a lot of babies, and I've been around a lot of babies. Never had one scare me a little bit at all. Babies don't scare anybody. Babies are soft and tender, helpless and adorable. And for 
man's reasoning and man's perspective, you know, it probably doesn't seem like the best plan. But God's ways are above our ways, and God's thoughts are above our thoughts. <clears throat> Galatians 4, 4, and 5 says, But when the fullness of the time has come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And let's not let that roll past so we don't understand what all that's saying. God sent his son made of a woman. He didn't come with the tainted sin nature of a man. The, the, the sin nature goes through the bloodline from the man. And he came, through the, he came forth from a woman made under the law. He was made, he was made under the, the, uh, the uh, dispensation of the law, and he had to keep the law to redeem them that were under the law because none of us could keep the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. We have so great a salvation. <clears throat> you know, God, God. I mean, you know, I, I know the Word of God, what the Word of God says, and I know that Christ came because God's plan. I know it's in the Word of God, but, you know, if I didn't know the Word of God, it wouldn't take much much thinking to understand that, that this wasn't some human scheme that, that Christ was to come that way. I mean, God's thoughts are too far beyond us. We couldn't have come up with that plan if we'd have tried, not that we could have done it anyway, but, but again, God, God gives us exactly what we need, but we'd have never done it that way. You know, we'd have tried everything else in the world to save ourselves from sin. We, and, and people have. They, they try good works. They try to live good. So you say, well, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I live a good life. Well, I ain't going to do it for anybody. Well, I go to such and such church. We belong to this religion. Uh, you know, that ain't going to do it either. I ain't a church in this world can get nobody into heaven. Some people think they're going to get smart enough or their philosophy, they'll figure out God. They'll figure, they'll figure out how he works, and, and then they'll be on even, even footing with him. Or some people just try to be good people, you know. But none of them things work, and we know that. I'm not really talking to you this morning. I'm talking to you this morning, but I know you know all these things. But I want to revisit it because there's people this morning, you know what, there's people this morning who not only – didn't go to church, but some of them didn't have a church. And some of them got a new phone for Christmas, and they're scrolling through Facebook, and they run across this message. And maybe they take just a little time to listen and hear the message of Jesus Christ, that there's no way for us to come to God without Jesus Christ. People trying to do that, like trying to rescue a drowning man with a rope that's too short to reach him. won't do you any good. You can throw it a million times, but if it don't reach him, what good is it doing and that's the way people are trying to do. They're throwing that rope. I mean, they're trying to reach out for a rope that they can't, they can't reach. You know, it's only God that can save us. Only a redemption that starts outside the realm of sin could save us. That's why he was born of a virgin. He couldn't have any sin. He couldn't have the taint of sin on him. And they a single one of us who could do it because all of us are tainted with sin. There's no way we could save ourselves. And the greatest expression of love in the universe, think about it, is when God gave up his only son, his only begotten son, to die for our sins. Romans 5, 8 said that God commended or demonstrated, showed his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul said in Ephesians three nineteen, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. I mean, nobody, again, I've said, I've said it time and time again, nobody's ever loved you like Jesus. Nobody will ever love you like Jesus. Again, that's the greatest expression of love that there is. 
I got to thinking about gifts this morning. Well, actually, I was thinking about the other day. You know, there's the gift of life which your parents gave you. And, and there's a lot of people don't even appreciate that gift. They live their life as though they don't, they don't, it's cheap and it don't matter. And, and many of them don't even respect their mom and daddy. They have no, they have no gratitude for the gift of life that they've been given. And I thought about the other gift that we've been given. We've been given the gift of freedom. We were born in this country. These men that died and shed their last blood so we could have this freedom. And there's so many people in this country that are, that are unpatriotic. They have no, they have no, uh, concern. They have no, uh, they give no honor to those who shed their blood and died for our, our freedoms that we hold dear. So many people are ungrateful in this day. And I think about that when it comes to what God did for us. So many of us, we, we say we're saved, we say we're Christians, but we, we, don't, we fail to look back and see that how great of a gift we've been given. We fail to look back and see what a great thing God did for us often. He said to know the love of Christ. That means to examine it, to think on it, to meditate on it, to let it sink into your brain what he did. The Bible said, which passeth knowledge. <laughs> that means you'll never get to the depth of how deep that love is. No matter how hard you try, you'll never, you can never find out fully how deep it is. But, 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 but we're to keep trying. We're to keep digging. We're to keep, we're to keep coming down in the love of God and trying to find the bottom, but you'll never find it. You'll never find it. The Bible says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That means the deeper you go into the love of God, the more filled you get with it. Amen. I want to get so deep I'll never come up again. Amen. Amen. Christ died for us. Think about this, this love. Christ died for us while we were still enemies of God. I mean, we were enemies. I mean, we, we absolutely hated God. Well, I didn't hate God. Not in your words, maybe, but in your actions you did. Yes, we were going to do whatever we want to do, how we want to do it. Didn't care who made anything about it. We had our own plans and schemes and dreams and didn't make no difference. This is our life. We're going to live it. God helped us. And God looked down and he saw us and he loved us in spite of our sin. He said, you know what? If they only knew what I've done for them, they'd love me back. And thank God we received that love. Thank God we returned that love. Thank God we accepted that love. Amen? Back when we didn't love him. Listen, we didn't love him. We didn't care about him. We didn't serve him. We didn't want to. And we were opposed to the holiness that he represented. We didn't want to live that way. We didn't want to live by that do's and don'ts list. But God loved us in spite of it, even though we didn't know what we needed. Let me say to you this morning, it was a very costly gift. Because the Lord Jesus heaven. He had to leave heaven. He had to take off the robe of his glory. He had to leave behind being being adored and worshipped every day in heaven. I mean, every moment of his existence in heaven, he was worshipped and adored by all the hosts of heaven. Every day. All, I mean, I can say it's eternal day. He lives in the eternal existence. But constantly worshipped, and he laid that aside to come here and be hated. He traded all that glory for shame and, and to be despised. Not only that, think about think about think about all the abuse he took. Think about the torture they put him through, and then the cruel and inhuman death that he was subjected to on the cross. He willingly came here to buy that for me and you. Actually, you know why? Because he knew what we needed, and he looked at us and he loved us, even though we didn't love him. 
And he said, I want to do that for them because I love them. And I know that if they see it, they'll embrace it and they'll accept me as their Savior. And they'll be born again. Jesus said in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And that's certainly what he did for me. Listen to me. We're his friends. Praise God. You're his friend. It was an unspeakable love that God loved you with. Let me say to you, it involved unspeakable sacrifice. You know, whatever, whatever human traits that we possess, God possessed them in a high titan form because the Bible says that we're made in his image, right? That means we're similar to God. We're, made, we're not exactly like him because, we're, we're, of course, we have a body of flesh and we're, we're finite and he's infinite. But we're made in his image. So down here, down here, you know, we, we love our, if we love our mom and dad and we love our, our siblings and we love our spouse, and you know, that, that's all finite love. That, that's limited love. All of that, every bit of it. Even I mean, you can be in the deepest loving relationship ever, but it's still finite love. But God's love, he experiences infinite love. Amen? And, and it's perfect in every degree. Our love's tainted, but his is not. <clears throat> if we experience sadness down here, suffer loss and feel pain, you've got to understand that God also has had these feelings, except he, he suffered them in infinite proportions. When Christ died for our sins, I mean, listen to me. When, when Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I hope I'm not a Catholic, a Catholic. And he, he gathered their chicks, but you would not. I'm going to tell you something. That was a deeper sadness than you and I have ever felt. When Jesus, when Jesus hears the scream of the people in hell, don't you know he suffered loss? When he knows himself dying and go to hell, when they slip out into eternity, and it's all, and it was, it was, he, he died for them, he paid the debt for them, but they wouldn't. Don't you know he suffered loss? Don't you know? Don't you know the pain he felt on the cross was unlike anything we ever experienced in our life or could experience in our life. It was every bit of our hell concentrated down into that short little time. None of us, if we could, if we could have done it, none of us would have, would have been willing to do what Jesus did for us. None of us. But God did it. And God did it willingly. God didn't hesitate. Let me tell you, the sufferings of the cross were real. And I know you know these things, and I know I preached on it recently. But just to say it again, because it needs to be said, listen, the cross, the cross of Calvary, it, 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 it was real. I mean, it was graphically real. There was real blood that poured out of his veins, real blood that gushed from his body, real blood that covered his body and ran down his feet and dripped off his toes into the dirt upon Golgotha's hill. It was real. It was real nails that were driven through his real flesh into that wood, sucked his skin up into that wood. Let me tell you something, that was real pain when those nails went through. When they drove those nails through the bones of his feet, and with every blow he felt them grind against his bones as they punched into the wood on the other side. That was real. Real pain, real agony. Before they took him there, when he was in Herod, uh, Herod's place, and those soldiers balled up their boots, He felt every bit of that. That was real. When they reached up and they grabbed his hair on his face and they yanked it from his from his face, that was real. Cleared their sinuses and they, they spit on our Savior's face 
and the snot ran down his face. That was real. He did that for you. That was a gift for you. When they when they tied him to that column, his poor quivering naked body, and they whipped him and tore his flesh from his body. That was real. When they pounded those nails into his body, it was real. He felt every bit of it. The journey of the American Medical Association gave an analysis of what Jesus went through on the cross. And they determined that the crucifixion was one of the most horrible deaths ever devised in the twisted mind of evil people. And yet Jesus, Jesus suffered it personally, went through it willingly, gave it all for me and you because he loved us. And he knew that's exactly what we needed. He looked at us and he said, that's the only thing that will, that will satisfy them. That's the only thing that will supply them with exactly what they need. And I want to give them exactly what they need. Let me tell you, you talk about things being real. The suffering was real. The shame was real. Matthew twenty-seven thirty-five, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet. They, they parted my garments among them. Upon my vesture did they cast lots. They, they stripped Jesus' clothes off. They stripped him naked there. And I want you to understand the picture of where he's crucified on a cross. He's hanging between two thieves. He's covered in blood, and he's completely stripped naked, hanging there bare before the entire world. And it's right beside a road, and travelers are on their way. Three men hanging naked upon crosses, and they're mocking as they go by. There's a sign placed out. I'm sure there's a sign placed out by the roadside telling people, "Hey, take a look at these guys. You don't want to look." The Romans were the Romans were big on making an example. They would have advertised it and drawn a crowd. <coughs> he was made a public spectacle. All the crowd that gathered there, they just looked at him and they mocked him. They laughed at him. And he bore the shame that you and I should have bore because he knew what we needed. I say to you that the suffering was real and the shame was real, but the separation that he suffered from his father was real too. From the cross about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why? Have forsaken me. God had to turn his back. God had to God had to to, to, to turn his back to and let the son die alone. Let me tell you, he had to suffer what you and I would suffer. He had to do it all to pay for the gift that we needed. That we had to have. The only thing that would that would satisfy. He had to pay it all. You understand? Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Before any of this, before there was ever anything in this existence that we know. Now listen, God has always existed. He's always been. There's never been a time when he was ever not there. He's always existed, and he wasn't lonely completely outside of our world because he, Christ was always with him. They made, they made us for fellowship. 
but they've been one forever, always. And never, ever, ever known separation until that moment on the cross. But he went through that for us. That was real. When Jesus took the blackness of all the world's sins on him, God the Father had to withdraw. He couldn't He couldn't remain there in fellowship with the sinner as he became sin for us. Habakkuk 1.13 says, Thou of pure eyes than to behold evil, and thou and canst not look on iniquity. God couldn't look on Christ as he became sin for us. He had to let him die alone. Psalm 5, 4 says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. Again, he had to be separated. He had to suffer that. Amongst the pain and the agony that he endured, he had to separate from God the Father. <clears throat> and you know what? I don't want to make him understand what all that was like. But he did it because he loved you and I. And there was no price to to have to pay to give us what we needed. And I want us to look lastly at the unspeakable effects on us. D.L. Moody gave this illustration about about a king's pardon. He said a man was once tried for a crime, the punishment of which was death. The witnesses came in one by one and testified to the man's guilt, but he stood there quite calm and unmoved. The judge and the jury were quite surprised at his indifference. They could not understand how he could take such a serious matter so calmly. When the jury retired, it didn't take them long to decide on a verdict. Guilty, they said. The judge had him stand and delivered the verdict expressing his surprise that he could be so unmoved at the prospect of death. When the judge had finished, the man put his hand into his jacket pocket, pulled out a document, and walked out of the court, a free man. That's how he could be so calm. He had a free pardon from the king in his pocket the whole time. There's no wonder he wasn't afraid of death when it came to his trial. And you know what? There's coming a day. There's going to come a great day of judgment. Guess what? We, we, we don't, we're not going to stand there afraid in that day of judgment. Because, listen to me, because of what Jesus has done, I've got that free part in my pocket. Listen, I, I, there will never be a question of my guilt because he paid the debt. But praise God, he did, and it's done. And I carry that pardon with me every day of my life. And Satan can say anything he wants, but I, I've always got it with me. I've always got the blood that's paid my price. The blood paid my debt. He's alive and I'm forgiven. I've got that with me for the rest of my life until I see him face to face. And listen, and I want to look at the effect it has on, on us personally. I mean, the first effect we have personally of Christ coming into our life is the forgiveness of sin. <laughs> I mean, you talk about joy in your heart. When you realize that burden, sin, the guilt of all that sin is gone. It's lifted. It's out of the way. It's never to return. There's a peace that passes all understanding that comes in in place of all that guilt and all that burden. And it's hard to describe. I mean, it's, the, the joy of being saved is it's hard to, express, to describe. I mean, but it's joy. It, it is hard to, and we, we struggle to. It would be like Paul. When he heard up there in third heaven, he heard some things, and he came back. He said, you know, I don't think I can utter those words down here on earth. Uh, you know, it was 
I don't know that it was going to get in trouble. I just don't think you know how to put it in English or, or in Greek or whatever language. I just don't think there was a way to form it in the words. Just to, just like I don't know how to explain to explain to you how how much I love the Lord Jesus Christ, how much He's done for me. There's no way if I talked all day I could say it all. When we're forgiven, what a joy we have! What a gift you have this morning. Let me say to you this morning. I, I, there's people listening in to us this morning, and you know what? Maybe they're going through a tough time. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe your child is is gone off into sin, and you're just having a rough time this Christmas, go back and revisit your your gift. Go back and look at what you've been given. Go back and and, and just take your salvation out and just, just look at it again. Just look at what you have in Christ. Revisit your joy. That's what it means to rejoice. We we got a gift that never gets old. we got a gift that will never wear out. You know, not only is, is joy part of that unspeakable gift, but another unspeakable benefit is that we get to know Jesus. You know, it's like that song I sang, you know, give me Jesus. I want Jesus. I, I, want, I want to know him. You know, he's the gift that keeps on giving. I'll never get to know him so much I get bored. I'll never get tired of the Lord Jesus. I'll never get where I, if, if, that he's not good to be around. Praise God. He he. He's more wonderful than I can express. I mean, he's my creator. He made me. He knows everything about me. He loves me in spite of me. And, you know, and to know him is to to understand the God of all creation. And that's what I want. Amen? It ought to be what all of us want. How in the world could we ever top that gift? We have we have a personal relationship with the God of all creation. Hallelujah. And you know, and, and not only that, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, when I believed on him, I received not only that, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost living inside of me. God didn't just save me and leave me alone. Praise God, he moves in. He lives in me. And not and he lives in me for a reason. He's not just there hanging out until he gets ready to take me home. He's there to accomplish. He's there to guide. I don't know what I'm doing. God knew I needed the governor to drive because I didn't know how to. And so he gave me the Holy Ghost to guide me. He gave me the Holy Ghost of God to counsel me before I make foolish decisions. He gave me the Holy Ghost of God to to make me say, hey, wait a minute. what, What would the Lord have you to do here? He gave me he gave me the Holy Ghost of God to protect me. Listen, he's my protector too. He looks out for me. He guides me and counsels me and helps me. And not only that, he empowers me. He empowers me because there's a world around me that needs this gift just like I needed this gift. There's a world around me of people who are starving for this gift. They 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 don't know they need it, but boy, once they got it, they they, they realize how much they needed it. And God, the Holy Ghost, is there to give me the power and, and, and give me uh, the courage to speak to others about that gift. Because, again, they don't know they need it. There's a reason why we call them people lost. It's because they don't know where it's at. They have no clue. They can't find it. They're in darkness. They're blind. They can't see it. That's why that's why I think this. And, you know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm blind, but now I see. 
We, we didn't know how to. We got to be pointed to it. And God gave us the gift of the Holy Ghost to share that gift of salvation with other people. You know what else I've got? I've got peace. That's something money can't buy. I've got peace. Amen. You know, I, I, I've lived in turmoil in my life. I ain't going to lie. I've lived in turmoil. But you know why? It was because I wasn't focused on what I had in Christ. I, I invited the turmoil into my own life and tried to deal with it because I wasn't letting God have control. But you know what? Once I turn it over to him, there's peace. That peace comes in and floods my soul when I let go and let God have it. You know, it ain't a peace this world gives me either. This world talks about peace all the time. People say, hey, peace, peace out and all this kind of stuff. They don't know what peace is. They talk about, we're going to have peace in the Middle East. That'll never happen until Christ is sitting on the throne of David. There ain't no peace without Jesus. You need peace in your life. You need peace because every day you're going to face situations that will steal your peace. The devil brings things into your life every day to steal your peace. But you've got you've got to you've got to protect you got you got to shore it up. You know when people know a hurricane's coming, they 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 go get that magical stuff called plywood that's going to save the world from everything, and they put it all over the windows and the doors and everything. Like I don't know what they're thinking when they do that. But anyway, uh, but you, but you know. It'll help you with storms of life. I mean, help you with the storms that come, hurricanes and whatnot. But the storms of life, when they come, you need to cover your life in the peace of God. That's the only thing that's going to get you through when the storms of life blow through. Keep your shelter. We sing that song sometimes. Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. You know, people that don't have Christ don't have that peace. They're, they're, they're trying to cope. And they try everything in the world. They put everything into that, that Jesus-sized hole trying to find something to fill that void. And nothing will do but the Lord Jesus himself. But let me say one more thing about this about this gift. It carries with it future blessings. Amen. When we accept Christ, you know what? We're automatically adopted. You get, a, you get, a, you get an adoption immediately with this gift. You're immediately in God's family. You immediately have guaranteed citizenship in God's eternal kingdom. That comes with that gift, amen? I mean, it just keeps on getting better the more you look into the box. It's like, don't don't throw it away. There's more in there, amen? Let's go all the way to the bottom because there's plenty of good stuff in there. I mean, before, before we knew Christ, we were foreigners. We were foreigners. We were strangers to God's covenants and promises. We had no idea. But now because of Jesus, We've been adopted into the royal bloodline of heaven. We have we have Christ's royal blood running through our veins. And someday we're going to be there, and he's going to say, Come, come up here. Can't wait to put Jesus in his throne and look out at heaven and see all the people that are, I mean, one by one. I don't know how. It'll take a long time, but we got eternity. So one by one, he's going to usher us up. Now that we're probably a long run, and everybody gets set up and look around with Jesus for a little while. Look at heaven. What a thing, man. What a thing to live through. What a thing to experience. And it's all because of what Jesus did for us. I got a mansion up there. Well, Dan, you got a mansion up there. Ain't no ducks unless you want them. You don't want them? They'd probably, they'd probably be good up there. They probably wouldn't mess on your vehicle up there. 
But praise God, it's a mansion. You know, it, it, it'll be exactly like you want it, I think. I think the Lord knows exactly. He knows exactly what we need down here. He'll know exactly what we need up there, too. And it's going to last for eternity. Down here, you got to paint stuff. you got to fix something. Robert, you won't be out of business. There won't be no more repairs to be done. You can finally sit down, brother. Amen. You can retire then. Amen. You know, and, and the best thing about it, and that place is indescribable, too. It's so pretty, we couldn't even, you know, if we sat here all day long trying to come up with things to talk about and say, I think it would be like this, we'd never even scratch the surface of what it's going to look like. I mean, you got to understand, we have kept you've been given. Amen? And there's people listening on the sound of my voice right now receive that gift. And I want them to know something this morning. You can't buy it. There ain't a thing you can do to get it. The Bible tells us that it's a gift of God. And you know as well as I do, a gift is free. If you have to do anything to get it, I used to tell people this all the time when I was out knocking doors. You know, if I wanted to give you a gift today, and I and I held it out and I said, Happy birthday or Merry Christmas or whatever, and I'm offering you this gift, and I say, all, all I need you to do is wash my truck, and I'll let you have this. It ain't a gift anymore, is it? Because you're, you're doing something to get it. Whether you're paying for it or bartering, you're exchanging something for that, and that's no longer a gift. So why I say that is because, listen, going to church is not going to please God. Going, getting baptized is not going to do it. Speaking in tongues is not going to do it. Listen, joining this church or that church, or shaking a preacher's hand, or whatever you may come up with, uh, uh, saying the saying some kind of uh, catechism or taking sacraments or, or whatever. None of that is going to do it. All that is garbage, a steaming pile of garbage. Christ is all you need. He did everything that was necessary. He paid the entire price. It wouldn't be a gift if he, if he gave you a, a, a piece of paper and said, you owe this much. That's not a gift. No, a gift is paid for completely. <clears throat> and Christ is paid completely for that gift of eternal life. And all one need to do to receive it is to come, not even come here, just wherever you're at, just come to Christ. So how do I do that? Well, it's very simple. He's right there waiting. All you've got to do is talk to him. All you've got to do is come and, and be willing be willing to, to, to turn from your way and turn to God. It's not that you can do it, but you've got to be willing to. Listen, that's the only way you can receive the gift of God is to come to God, turn to him, and, and say, Lord, Lord, I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need to be washed clean. And God, you come to God for eternal life, and God will wash you clean. God will set you free. He said, how do I do it? When Paul, when Paul the apostle said to the Philippian jailer, when he asked him, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. There's not a thing you could do but believe. Just believe that Jesus, in the fullness of time, sent his son, born of a virgin, came into this world, fulfilled the law completely, died for our sins on the cross of Calvary, was buried, but he rose from the grave, and he sits at the right hand of the Father today. And I said all that to say this. There's a lot of gift giving went on last night and going on today, and will still go on all day. <clears throat> and all that you give, and all that you receive are simply reminders of what God has done for you. That's that's the only reason for giving a gift. It's a reminder of what God has done for us. And since God has given you and given me 
this unspeakable gift. My question to you in this invitation is this. What have you given God in this time? What are you giving God in this time? In light of all that he's done for you, in light of looking at today, at, at, at God sending his son into this world, the way he did, the life that he lived, the death that he went through, the resurrection, all of that. Listen, he did all of that for you. What are we doing for you? I want you to think on that for a minute. What are you doing for him? Let's stand together. I urge you during this invitation, God speaking to your heart, come and do business with him. It won't take long. Just come to this altar, get on your knees and talk to the Lord. Let him know what He's what he needs to hear from you. Whatever whatever God's speaking to your heart about, this would be a good time to do it. What song are we going to sing, sister? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll be dismissed. Richard, dismissed.